welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, New Living Translation Hello, I'm Victoria Kay. Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. Thank you for joining us here today on Anchored by Truth. For several episodes, we've been doing a series we call Eternal Information. We've covered a lot of ground so far in the series. For those listening today who may have missed some of the earlier episodes, we encourage you to go to our website, crystalseabooks.com, where you can hear them. And of course, anyone who just wants to review an episode, even if they've heard it before, can always go to crystalseabooks.com for a review. That's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-S-E-A-B-O-O-K-S dot com. This series in particular has been one of those series where each episode builds on the material from the previous episodes. In the studio today, we have R.D. Fierro. R.D. is an author and the founder of Crystal Sea Books. R.D., would you like to amplify a little more on what I was just talking about? That this series of Anchored by Truth is a series where we are steadily building on what came before? Sure. But before I do that, I'd also like to say hello to everyone who is joining us here today on Anchored by Truth. We are really grateful that you would take some time out of your very busy day to think with us about the Bible and to think with us how we can have a very high degree of confidence that the Bible is, in fact, the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. You know, I suspect that most listeners are probably like me. When I first came across the concept of information as one more way in which God's presence in the universe is undeniably manifest, I was completely unfamiliar with that line of reasoning. I think like all listeners, I used information every day throughout the day, but I never gave any thought about information itself. I mean, information was kind of like air. It was just there. But I never stopped to think about how it got there. And then I came across Dr. Werner Gitt's book entitled, In the Beginning Was Information, and I had one of those sort of light bulb moments. The presence of information requires the presence of intelligence, and there is no way that we can avoid living in this universe and avoid the fact that it contains information. The universe contains information, but then that also implies very directly that the universe contains abundant evidence of intelligence being present in its design and formation. But trying to communicate all of these concepts that revolve around information, that's not the easiest thing in the world to do. And unlike some subjects where we people who believe in the Bible connect with them easily, Digging deeper into how information functions within the universe requires a lot of, well, it requires a lot of information. Studying information requires a lot of information? I'm not sure if that's profound or just redundant. 
Yeah, probably a little of both. At any rate, there are a lot of ideas that are tied up in thinking about how information again assures us that there must be a designing mind behind the universe as we know it. And so during this series, we began unpacking those ideas one at a time. Such as the fact that information is an essential component of the universe that we know. Unlike other components with which we are more familiar, like matter and energy, Information stands apart in the way in which it presents itself. Information is non-material. It is not dependent for its existence on matter or energy, but matter and energy can be used to transmit, store, or receive it. The same keyboard, wires, and screens can exchange recipes for pies, maps to bury treasure, or diagrams for making bombs. The information doesn't change the plastic, copper, or silicone in the keyboard or screen, but neither is the plastic, copper, or silicone responsible for the content of the information. These aren't the kind of ideas we think about every day. Right. And those ideas are just the beginning of what we had to undertake. And the specific idea that we have been pursuing for the last couple of episodes of Anchored by Truth is that the presence of information in living creatures is undeniable. Now, a couple of episodes ago, we spent some time on the basics of biochemistry, and last time we began our deeper dive into the most sophisticated information storage system on the planet, which is DNA. So today we want to finish that discussion. But just as a brief recap, last time we began covering the fact that DNA is actually a four-dimensional information storage system. Just about every information system invented or used by man is one-dimensional. When we transmit information through written text, we get the information by reading the text from left to right. And even though there are some writing systems like ancient Hebrew that are read right to left, the same observation applies. We get the information by going in one direction. Try to read the same text backwards and all you get is gobbledygook. But as we began showing last time, DNA doesn't just store and transmit information in one dimension or in one direction. DNA does so on multiple levels. Artie, why don't you briefly remind us of what we covered when we went over the first three dimensions in which DNA stores information? DNA is built from compounds called nucleotides. Nucleotides consist of a sugar, a nitrogen-containing base, and a phosphate group. There are four bases that comprise the structure of DNA, adenine, guanine, cytosine, and thymine. And those bases are usually just abbreviated by the letters A, G, C, and T. So those are the letters of the genetic alphabet. And DNA is made up of two long strands, that famous double helix, that are joined by means of associations, A with T and C with G, adenine with thymine, guanine with cytosine. And that means that the two strands of DNA are complementary. Now, one of the key takeaways about DNA is that DNA's information function does not depend or arise from its chemistry. Just as the chemistry of ink and paper do not determine the information that is present on a printed page, the chemical components that comprise DNA do not determine the messages that it stores and sends. And I know that's an amazing thought to most people, but it is absolutely true. So the first level of information that DNA contains is simply the order of the letters, the nucleotide base pairs. 
Now the entire human genome has been mapped, and so we know the order of the letters for it. So, as an example, the first 15 letters of DNA in the human Y chromosome are C, T, A, A, C, 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 T, A, A, C, 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 T, A. So this first level of information is just a sequence of letters. That seems pretty simple. But you start to get a hint of the other levels of information when you realize that we have between 20,000 and 25,000 genes, but our bodies produce over 100,000 different proteins. Some estimates are that the human body produces over 300,000 distinct proteins. If the sequence of the letters in DNA is the first level of information, what is the second level? The second level of information, the second dimension of information storage in the genome, deals with the way that one section of DNA interacts with another section. Now, it's easy enough to create a visual depiction of the first dimension of DNA. It's essentially just a long sequence of the letters A, C, T, and G. But if you tried to draw a pictorial representation of the second dimension of information within DNA, it would be an absolutely dizzying array of lines and arrows connecting different parts of that very long linear string. You know, at first, when scientists discovered DNA in genes, they thought that they had discovered the key to a lot of biological mysteries. And one of the early ideas that emerged in science was the idea that one gene present on DNA coded for one functional protein. Now, proteins are, of course, the molecular machines of life. But that idea was too simple, wasn't it? Especially for higher organisms. As we mentioned earlier, the human body produces far more different proteins than we have genes. Yes. The linear left-to-right read of DNA, if you will, coupled with the idea that each gene, essentially a subsection of DNA, coded for one protein, turned out to be far too simplistic. For instance, our protein genes are broken up into a series of exons, those are the parts that code for protein, and introns. Introns are non-coding intervening sequences. So to make a protein, the gene is first transcribed into RNA, then the introns are spliced out, then the exons are stitched together, and the remainder is translated into the protein. Now, that might seem relatively straightforward, but we now know that some proteins are manufactured through a process that is called alternate splicing. And that's where exons from different locations in the genome are combined to create many different proteins. In other words, it doesn't take just one gene to make some proteins. It takes many genes to make that protein and those genes have to be spliced and diced to make that happen. Well, we've now learned that the alternate splicing is so pervasive that the definition of the word gene, as it was originally conceived, has just about lost its meaning. The one gene, one enzyme hypothesis turned out to be a gross oversimplification. Biologist Dr. Robert Carter has said this about the second informational dimension of DNA. Quote, the second dimension deals with things like specificity, factors, enhancers, repressors, activators, and transcription factors. These are the proteins that are coded in the DNA, but they move to another part of the genome after they are made and turn something on or off. 
but there are additional things happening in this dimension, unquote. In other words, there's a lot of information that the DNA supplies to the body that isn't tied to a simple left-to-right reading of the letters. There are connections being made between different sections of the DNA that are all necessary for life. Yes. As I just said, trying to pictorially represent the information connections with DNA would be so complicated, it would be like you were standing in the midst of a galaxy with beams of light zinging among the stars. There would be so many beams connecting so many different stars, you wouldn't be able to count them all. And we're still only talking about the second dimension of DNA that supplies information. The third dimension has to do with how DNA is actually stored within the body. Because the body does not store DNA as a long string, it couldn't. DNA is coiled into a very precise three-dimensional shape. Dr. Carter has also written that, quote, the third dimension of information deals with how the shape of the DNA molecule affects the expression and control of different genes. We have learned that sections of the DNA that are buried deep within the coiled-up DNA cannot be activated easily, so genes that are used often are generally easily accessible. Thus, when God wrote out the information in the genome along that one-dimensional strand, He intentionally put things in a certain order so that they would be in the correct place when the DNA was folded into a 3D shape, Yes, it would be extremely impractical for the body to try to store DNA in a linear state. And we talked last time about the amazing fact that the DNA in a single cell would be six feet long if it were laid out in a straight line. It'd be very thin, but it would stretch for six feet. Now, the National Institutes for Health have estimated that the DNA present in a human body would be over 67 billion miles long if all the strands were laid end to end. That's the equivalent of 150,000 round trips to the moon. Let me say that again. The DNA present in a single human body would be over 67 billion miles long if it were all laid out end-to-end, according to the National Institutes for Health. So to store all that DNA, the body can't just lay it out in one straight string, so it coils it in tight coils, and those coils fit within the nuclei of our various cells. And we now know in that three-dimensional storage arrangement that genes that are used together are generally found next to each other in that three-dimensional storage configuration, even if those genes are found on different chromosomes. Last time we used the example of a homeowner organizing his garage. A wise homeowner is likely to organize the garage so that the garden shears are close to the rakes rather than the Christmas light strings and nativity set. The homeowner does this because the homeowner knows and understands the use of the things they are storing. In putting things away in a garage, they are applying information and intelligence. So the first dimension of information storage in DNA is the order of the letters. The second is how various sections of the DNA actually act in concert with other sections. And the third is how the DNA functions in its three-dimensional configuration, not just as a linear string. Exactly. Well, in our last episode, our time ran out before we could get to the fourth dimension of information that DNA contains. Which is? Time. Time? Time. 
As incredible as it may seem, we now know that the way DNA performs its functions changes as time goes by, and we know that these changes occur in all of the other dimensions. Dr. Carter has written, quote, The shape, third dimension, interaction network, second dimension, and the sequence of letters, first dimension, all change. This so far outstrips even our most modern computers that the analogy isn't fair anymore, close quote. And then Dr. Carter goes on to give this example. We know that different liver cells have different chromosome counts. This is due to the fact that the liver needs lots of copies of certain genes that are involved in metabolism and detoxification. Instead of filling the genome with so many copies of these genes, the liver just makes copies of them for its own use. We also know that different brain cells have different number and locations of various transposons. Transposons are segments of DNA that are capable of moving within or among the chromosomes. The transposons were once thought by evolutionists to be jumping genes that were leftovers from ancient viral infections. But they're not. Transposons are vital for the development of the human brain. In other words, our genome is able to dynamically reprogram itself. As Dr. Carter wrote, quote, This is something that computer scientists have long struggled with. How can you make a self-modifying code that does not run out of control? Unquote. So, as amazing as the first three dimensions of DNA's information are, in some ways the fourth dimension of information storage within DNA, that's like something straight out of science fiction. As we go through our lives, DNA reprograms itself dynamically to adapt for where we are in our lives. You know, it's hard to remember sometimes, as we're talking about this level of sophistication and complexity, that we're talking about a group of atoms and molecules that are present in the nuclei of every one of our 30 to 40 trillion cells. Now, let's go back and let's not lose sight of our basic point in doing this in-depth discussion about DNA information storage. The alternative hypothesis that is offered to biblical creation is that everything that lives today is the result of blind and random chance. Those people who reject the existence of God, and in particular the God of the Bible, must conceive of the world and universe as being composed of matter, energy, time, and space. But no one sees time and space as possessing creative capacity, so they are really down to matter and energy. So their concept for the origin of DNA is that at one point some hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, and carbon atoms collided and started making some simple organic compounds. Some of those organic compounds ran into each other and poof! Some simple amino acids or nucleotides were produced. Then these extremely elementary organic collections ran randomly and accidentally collected in one place and all that jostling about produced a string of DNA which contains, at a minimum, millions of atoms. The more you talk about it, the more far-fetched it seems. It seems far-fetched because it is far-fetched. And it's not like the evolutionists don't realize the problem that their scenario involves. They most certainly do. So they have to try to craft solutions such as saying things like that there are unseen organizing forces present within physics and chemistry that overcome most of the seeming impossibilities. 
Now, they never tell us where those unseen organizing forces come from, but that's what they tell us, that there are unseen organizing forces that made sure that all the atoms and molecules wound up in just the right place. And the evolutionists have done extensive computer simulations that are supposedly offered by using random substitutions in strings of letters, and those simulations are supposed to show that with enough time and chemical components, Well, just the right set of letters in just the right order will emerge. But the basic problem with all of these attempts to explain away how random and blind chance could form a DNA strand, the basic problem with all of them is that they start their analysis with a huge amount of information about how life functions. And they completely ignore the fact that undirected matter and energy They wouldn't have any of that information. They wouldn't have any purpose or goal. Undirected matter or energy could care less whether or not life is produced. Undirected matter and energy would never have a goal of producing life. Well, the evolutionary apologists, when they're doing their explanations, when they're setting up their computer simulations, they always start out knowing what the end result must be. So they always start out with their own goal of showing how it might be possible. But it's quite a different thing from showing how something might be possible to showing how that thing actually occurred in real history under real-world conditions. As we often point out on Anchored by Truth, explaining the origin of a thing is quite different from explaining its operation. We know today much about how life operates. We know the chemical elements involved. We know the structure of organic compounds and how those compounds link up and form the ever-increasing complicated structures used by all living things. But an ocean of chemicals just drifting about knows none of that. And I should emphasize at this point in our discussion that we've only been talking about the four-dimensional nature of the information that DNA stores. And so this discussion of DNA really is only skimming the surface. And so I would really highly recommend that listeners go to the website for Creation Ministries International, which is creation.com, and spend some time there reading the various articles on DNA. They've got several dozen articles there just on DNA alone. There's a whole lot more to DNA than we have actually had time to discuss in this series. Such as? Well, such is the fact that DNA has its own repair system. Wikipedia says this about the DNA repair system, quote, DNA repair is a collection of processes by which a cell identifies and corrects damage to the DNA molecules that encode its genome. In human cells, both normal and metabolic activities and environmental factors, such as radiation, can cause DNA damage, resulting in tens of thousands of individual molecular lesions per cell per day. Many of these lesions cause structural damage to the DNA molecule and can alter or eliminate the cell's ability to transcribe the gene that the affected DNA encodes. As a consequence, the DNA repair process is constantly active as it responds to damage in the DNA structure." The DNA repair system is just another facet of DNA that defies explanation by some form of evolutionary development. Without its repair system, DNA would quickly be damaged so badly that normal cellular replication would cease. That means death for the organism. 
So DNA needs the repair system to keep functioning, but it's the DNA itself that tells the body how to produce the repair system. So you need the repair system for DNA to work, but you need the DNA to work to produce the repair system. It's another one of those inevitable chicken and egg kind of dilemmas, although as we've pointed out on Anchored by Truth, there really isn't a dilemma when it comes to the chicken and the egg. God made the chicken on the third day, and then after that, the chicken started laying eggs. Well, all this information that we know about the DNA repair system, we've only discovered this very recently. In fact, the 2015 Nobel Prize in Chemistry was awarded to Tomas Lindahl, Paul Modric, and Aziz Sankar for their work on the DNA repair processes. So again, the DNA repair system, that's a whole nother attribute about DNA we didn't even have time to begin to cover in this series, and that's only one. This sounds like a good time to go to God in prayer. Since our children are back in school, today let's listen to a prayer for all of them who could benefit from a little divine help with the upcoming tests. Prayer Before Taking a Test Heavenly Father, you have been so good and kind to me. I praise your name because you are worthy to be praised. You rule the universe, yet you love us so much that you care about the parts of even our daily lives that trouble us. Thank you for being a merciful Father who carries our burdens. Lord, you know I have a test coming that has been weighing on my heart. I know that tests are a part of learning and education. You know so well that tests can be very difficult for some of your children, including me. Lord, I pray that you would help me with this test. I pray you would help me to prepare effectively for the test. Help me to take advantage of all the books, study aids, and guides that I can find. Direct me to my fellow students, teachers, or friends who have an understanding in this area and who can assist me. Please defeat any tendencies I have towards discouragement or fear because these are the tools of the enemy. When I am in the test, please send the Holy Spirit to bring to my mind all that I have learned. Keep me calm and help me to focus on simply doing my best. My joy and hope are in Jesus. I pray and give thanks in His precious name. Amen. Amen. Is the Bible important in your life? Supporting Anchored by Truth with a contribution is an easy way to put your faith into action. The opportunity to help is available at crystalseabooks.com. How wonderful would it be for Jesus to commend us because we made His Word a priority in our lives and giving. We are grateful for your support and partnership. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage some friends to tune in also, or listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalcbooks.com where We're not perfect, but our boss is. And for those of you who need that website one more time, that's crystalcbooks.com. Crystal, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-C-S-E-A, and books, B-O-O-K-S, dot com. 
Thank you for your support. Are you hungry for truth? Most people are today. Between changing social standards, cultural chaos, and denominational deviance, confusion is sweeping our community like a tsunami. Will we be swept away? Or will we be anchored by truth? At Crystal Sea Books, our passion is the Bible. The Bible came from the mind of God. The words of God are powerful in truth and love. God will give us peace and strength as we honor His Word. At Crystal Sea Books, we believe the Bible can be a dynamic part of adventure stories, lyrical rhythms, and even humor, as well as inspire our prayers and meditations. That's why Crystal Sea Books is so pleased to offer an all-ages adventure story, Doors of Destiny, a Choice Orb Tale. Many readers have compared the adventure and engagement of Doors of Destiny to the timeless treasures of C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. And getting a copy of Doors of Destiny couldn't be easier. Just go to crystalseabooks.com and use the link. That's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-S-E-A-B-O-O-K-S dot com. In Doors of Destiny, the Bible's timeless wisdom is captured in an amazing adventure story that is suitable for all ages. Build your faith as you travel highways and byways that are found beyond the veil of eternity. Get your own copy of Doors of Destiny today. At Crystal Sea Books, we're not perfect, but our boss is.